0: Welcome to the Before You Buy or Sell a Business podcast, where we help buyers and sellers learn more about the acquisition process, discuss recent transactions, and stay up to date on the latest news in the market. Here's your host, Jared Johnson.
1: All right, so I'm here today with Eric Hoyman. How are you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. I'm glad to have you on here. Your uh, your deal was, was one of my favorite ones lately. Um, it was a, a little bit of a challenge, but... I'm glad we were able to kind of fight through and and get it done. So thanks for coming on. Let me start out with uh, just kind of give me a little bit about your background.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I've been in uh, northern Nevada most of my life. I moved from back east when I was a little kid, but I've uh, actually been in gold mining my whole career, uh, about 20 years. I was a specialist in the uh, fire suppression area on a lot of the major equipment I would install and design fire suppression systems. And then later in my career, when I got acclimated a little bit more. I did the fire uh, extinguishers and the suppression systems for the sprinklers and the alarms. So that's kind of where I started. Uh, Prior to that, I actually went to college up in Oregon, got an engineering degree, and uh, went there for soccer and track on a full ride scholarship. Oh, cool. Which school was it?
1: Uh, Coos Bay. Okay. What position did you play? Midfield. All right. Nice. Yeah. I remember uh, I played midfield, but I, you know, I didn't play long enough to make it matter but i remember my dad telling me like you play midfield you got to run the whole game and you got to do the throw-ins i'm like all right fine so (laughs) but i liked it because it was a good challenge so yeah midfielders are usually pretty tough
0: a lot of running and then i did a
1: decathlon actually in college so really cool
0: it was an interesting setup for me
1: yeah yeah that's fun cool well anytime you get your college covered and you get to be an athlete it's great you know so Cool. All right. So, um, you talk about, you know, you and I, uh, talking a little bit before this, how we met each other and I, I totally forgot we had, uh, looked at a, a business first. Um, maybe tell me a little about the the first one that you were, you were looking at.
0: Yeah. I was a insulation company down in Las Vegas. Uh, my wife and I had decided a couple of years ago, you know, we wanted to get out of where we were. Uh, big thing for me was at the mines. I was doing three in the morning till eight at night. Whew. And, uh, you know, I just didn't want that lifestyle for my kids. Um, on top of that, you know, my kids are heavily vested into sports. And so I wanted to create some more opportunity for them. And uh, we knew that Vegas was the spot for us. So we started looking and originally we found an insulation company that really looked good on the books. Um, so Jared and I had first met doing that and, uh, you know, div- diving
1: deeper into the numbers, it wasn't something that was going to work out. Yeah, that happens, So, And then uh, later down the road, we ran each other again. You were looking at some wedding chapels in Vegas, which I was uh, really wanting to do that deal just so I could say I did some wedding chapels. <laughs> I <laughs> thought it was kind of cool. Um, I'm actually still working on it now. It's pretty funny. But um, yeah, so we we met that way. It just kind of couldn't get it to, to come together. I think there was some some issues with some of the, the lease agreements uh, not being long enough. Um and then, so you passed on that and that was going to be more of your, your wife has some expertise in that, right? So
0: Yeah, we actually owned a, a event company. Well, my wife did, um, up in Northern Nevada and we would do the mining corporate events and a lot of weddings and stuff like that. And so wasn't really my background, but she's very good in that. Uh, we did have good opportunity with those wedding chapels and they were solid numbers, but you know, like we were saying, the leases just weren't working out for us and couldn't make that deal work. So we passed on that deal.
1: Cool. So you guys, you guys would create the Catalina wine mixer for... Miners,
0: yeah, that's a, a <laughs> one way to put it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there you go. Cool. So, um, ended up, uh, you know, not working on that. Obviously, you were still kind of looking to figure out. So, um, ended up finding a glass company. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how did you find that listing?
0: Um, I just looked on Biz Buy Sell. You know, I was constantly looking at uh, businesses and stuff. You know, I think I put in over a hundred LOIs just to look at different businesses and wow. really researching what I wanted to do and how I wanted to go about it and you know, really narrowing down my search on
1: what I felt like I would be a good fit for me. Cool. So what did you like about that one? Like right off the bat? Uh,
0: I liked that it was the oldest uh, glass company in Las Vegas. So it had a lot of roots. Um, and another thing was that it had an unlimited contractor's license, which in the world of contracting, anything uh, is allocated for a bid limit by the state. And it was grandfathered in because it was so old. So what that really means is if a job has a you know, let's say a hundred thousand dollar bid limit or not a job, a person. And the job scope is $200,000. It doesn't even allow certain companies to bid on it. So it really narrows down on who can bid on what and really gives a lot of opportunity. So with an unlimited, we can do whatever we want, uh, that we feel like we can handle.
1: Yeah. It's a really good asset. And so when you were doing kind of your due diligence and looking into it, um, you know, I, I know you, you definitely recognize that. Um, and maybe you could talk a little bit about uh, what had happened with the seller um, before when they, when they were looking to sell it, why they were looking to sell it. Yeah,
0: it was, uh, you know, one of the things that I personally like is uh, I like distressed deals and this was a, a, a very distressed deal. The situation was right. it went through uh, three generations inside of a family. Then they actually sold outside the family. And unfortunately the guy in a couple months had passed away from COVID. So his daughter, who's a fashion designer by trade, inherited the company. It was a very tough situation for her you know a lot of emotions involved and so it had just really dwindled down over the years and so she wanted to get rid of it um but on the positive side for me i had a very motivated seller
1: mm-hmm. yeah so it was funny because i um i know i looked at that deal probably three or four times over a couple year periods so i think when it originally sold from the family i had looked at it um I don't remember why I didn't do it. I want to say maybe it was it was a higher it was a pretty high price for what they sold it for, and I think the the family that bought it um, I, I don't think that they uh, ended up paying that high for it. But it just kind of didn't work out for us. So I thought it was kind of funny. You know, I talked to you twice before tried to do a wedding chapel deal with you. And then you go, Hey, I got this glass company. And I'm like, start kind of laughing, like, wait, it's a different listing broker. Now, um, <laughs> I know I've seen this thing. I like trying to go through my email. I was probably, you know, a couple years ago and I couldn't find anything on it, but I'm like, okay, like it's time to do this deal. <laughs> Let's get yeah. it done. So, um, so when you, uh, were working on your due diligence and your negotiation and stuff, how did that go? Did you start at a certain number kind of work your way down?
0: no actually so the company was originally at a higher amount um and they had dropped it they were having a hard time selling it and mm-hmm. one of the things that we had come across was um you know i went to 10 different banks you know i had to be very persistent on going about this deal and i got denied 10 different times and really what it was because it was such a distressed deal mm-hmm. um you know i saw the value in it because i knew what it was worth coming from a construction background uh but the other banks really didn't see that and so at that point i had actually gotten a hold of jared uh, talking to the broker originally, he's like, hey, this is kind of just not going to happen. And I was like, well, I got one more call to make. And, uh, you know, it would have been 100 more calls, but, I, you know, I'm pretty <laughs> persistent. So, anyways, I got a hold of Jared and I presented the deal. And we started unfolding really what was going on inside the company and what the value was. And we created a very good partnership with the sellers as well. Um, it wasn't the biggest deal financially. However, it was a very challenging deal. And I think everybody involved learned a lot, but it, we definitely pulled together as a team
1: yeah that's that's uh very important you know i mean anytime there's always a little bit of like give and take with the the buyer and seller i have uh, some brokers that have a philosophy that they don't let them go anywhere near each other um you know maybe just for a call here and there or something and then i have other ones that are like let's get together let's let's try to all work together on this and i think sometimes you probably just have to read the room and see what works at that time um but I know uh, you know talking with you you really understood the deal you understood the business there was a lot of pros um, the issue that most of the lenders had was that although the sales were were pretty high um, for you know the, the type of business they they were essentially losing money mm-hmm. um, or kind of coming close to breaking even you um, but uh from my understanding because of what had happened with the father you know obviously you can't blame the daughter she doesn't know how to run a business like that and that's fine you know same thing with you you wouldn't try to go run a a fashion design company right exactly so she had brought someone in to try to help the best that they could um but at at the end of the day there was there was good top line revenue Mm -hmm. but you could tell there just there's just some stuff that needs to be cleaned up and fixed there and so um you know for us looking at it on the surface you're like no i'm not gonna do that it's overpriced or it doesn't work or you know anything but i think when you kind of dig in a little further it made some sense so okay so you came up with a with a purchase price you had called around a couple banks um as you said you were gonna keep calling like did you did you ever feel like it it wasn't gonna happen and you were gonna give up
0: no no i mean i've got a you know my background is i've had other businesses before and so i kind of have done this and you know really the squeaky wheel gets the grease right i mean it's like you know, you just got to keep calling. Somebody out there will make it work, and it's not for every bank to handle either. Yeah. Um, and I'm fully aware of that, you know. So we, you know, we had a construction company up in Elko, uh, northern Nevada, where I'm from. You know, we had 50 employees, and so we've got a lot of background to add value to that. So it really wasn't too difficult once we started really diving the numbers of finding out what was going on. Um, you know, they were about half on what the margin should be per hourly rate. And once we were able to put some performance numbers in there, you know, we know for a little bit that we'll be taking a loss on it. But we're already, you know, a month later turning a profit very healthily and making this happen. And so with everything involved, uh, you know, we were able to structure a proper deal as well. You know, and we got the thing completely debt free, all the vehicles. It's got all brand new vehicles and really finding some of the inefficiencies that were going on and just cleaning it up one at a time.
1: Yeah. So they the seller obviously wanted it to go to you, which is great. Um, Anytime we can have that situation, it makes things a little easier when you have to negotiate or if things change along the way. So, you know, one thing I think that's good for listeners to understand, and we've talked about this before, is that although there's, you know, 1,600 or so active SBA lenders that are, are doing SBA lending, there's probably three or four of us that are, are doing the majority of the business acquisitions. Um, and even there, you know, the three or four or five of them um, still kind of have a little bit of a different box as far as what they want to do. So, mm-hmm. um, you went around to eight of them, end up talking to me. I was able to kind of talk. them. so kind of tell a little story. I was, um, happened to be in our corporate office and, uh, our credit manager was there and, um, he said, I don't like that deal. And I said, have I ever pushed back with you? And he's kind of looked at me funny, like, all right. Yeah, you usually don't and I mean for the most part I usually won't submit a deal if I don't think I can get it done. And um I said, "Can you just like sit down and look over the deal with me?" Like, I never ask you for anything like, "Come on." And he's just kind of like I was like, "Fine, but I still don't think I'm going to get there on this one." And I said, "Okay." So, sat down, started looking at the numbers. Um he I could tell he started to kind of warm up to it a little bit. And I said, well, let's call eric like you got some questions like i didn't tell him where you're gonna call i didn't script them or tell him what what to say let's call him right now and then you can see what i'm seeing that he knows what he's doing I said all right fine <laughs> so i text you and say, hey, can i call you you're like yeah sure so we called and then by the time we were done with the phone call he had structured the deal uh already emailed the underwriter told him he was going to approve <laughs> it um told him how he wanted it structured and everything and we kind of all came to an agreement so it was, it was like a a good win for me. I felt real good about it because I'm like, I, you know, just hear me out for once, please, you know? So, um, but you, you played a big part in that, um, by just taking a, you know, a a phone call out of nowhere and being able to answer all the the questions. And I think he had asked you for like, to maybe grab a couple other items from the seller or Mm -hmm. something, and we're able to get everything and, and get on the same page. So.
0: Yeah. You know, a lot of that goes with, you know, personal relationships, you know, just actually trying to build a relationship, you know, with the seller, you know, with the broker and, you know, with the bank and everything like that. And I think that those key elements are really what got the deal going.
1: Yeah. We were real happy at that point. So, (laughs) so at that point, then I think kind of went back to the seller, the, the brokers and said, Hey, let's, um, you know, put, put it together this way. I think we Mm -hmm. changed maybe one or two little things on it. Um, once we got that part done, got you approved and stuff, um, what did you kind of do from there as far as like really digging into the company and making sure that what you were buying is what, what you thought it was going to be? Did you do, like, did you have anybody help you with the due diligence or anything like that?
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, I uh, ran it by my CPA and everything like that. You know, it's a, it's a team sport really, you know, you have to really stay in your lane. I mean, definitely be comfortable with where you're comfortable at, but it's like, Hey, you know, I I think this is a great deal, but let's run it by other people get the other opinions, you know, and, and take what you want with that. Uh, my brother's also a financial advisor, so we ran it by him. And then some of the other things that we do, you know, for due diligence was looking at, you know, a lot of the cost expenses of, okay, where, where are we really losing money? Where are we bleeding as a company right now? And doing that backdoor research prior to walking into this thing. So I have actual numbers, you know, like with insurance and stuff like that. Uh, You know, why are we losing? Well, we're losing it because, you know, we're spending 50 grand here on extra insurance. So with one phone call, we can save that kind of money. Yeah, And so it really enables you to turn the company around really quick, uh, without, you know, it's a little bit of legwork, but you know, one phone call worth that. Absolutely. We'll do that all day long.
1: Yeah. Well, and you were used to hard work, so (laughs) (laughs) a couple hours at least. Yeah. Right. Yeah. More like a couple hours of sleep every day. Yeah. (laughs) Um, cool. Okay. And then I think if I remember correctly, did you have a, a friend or a relative or something in, in like closer to your hometown that has similar business? we so did was, you know so yeah. my boy he's in uh, wrestling so you
0: know, inside of our wrestling community we've traveled the states uh with some actually one of our biggest competitors of all things and uh you know again that personal relationship it's a healthy competition and they've been open to us uh, all the time to uh giving us knowledge and everything like that um at the same time too we have a guy that we just brought on who you know again from the wrestling community he's got 25 years of experience in the estimating and management side of it so we brought him on as well to replace somebody at the same cost, which was very valuable to us, uh, to you know help turn this thing around. You know, at the same time too, you know, one of the biggest thing for me on that strategically was having an ally right away inside the company. You know, mm. the company's been around for a long time with a lot of good, long-standing employees. You know, all the way up to forty years. Wow. And so, really having somebody on your side to help, you know, second set of eyes, but also from an outside point of view, you know, hey, it's not, you know, hey, we've done this for so many years this way. No I'd say hey, this is how it should be done and really implementing a lot of those things
1: yeah that's some that's some great advice so um through the closing process, do you have any major challenges?
0: I knew we had a couple well it was it was it definitely took a lot longer than we thought you know we we had little hurdles along the whole way. I don't know if it was anything major um anywhere from just getting titles to yeah you know little stuff like catalytic converters were cut off and it couldn't pass a smog, you know so <laughs> it, all the little things you can possibly think of that maybe could go wrong really kind of went wrong, but nothing major. I mean, uh, you know, the sellers were so motivated that they were so willing to work with. Uh, but at the same time, too, you know, when it took a little
1: bit of budging on my end, because they were willing to, I was more than willing to accommodate to them as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I know um, every deal has got challenges, especially on the closing. It's. It, I always say I have like maybe one or two deals a year that just kind of fly through. And you're like, yeah. wait, that thing's done? That was great. You know, every yeah. other one is is always a lot of work. And, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts on it. So that's good. Yeah, and I, I think it was funny, the, the broker um, called me and was like, are you sure you can get this done? Like so many people told them, no, I'm like, yes, we're working on getting it close. So yeah. it was funny Then afterwards they, they called me and they were like, you did it. You said you would, you got it done. I'm like, yeah. So I'm like, send me business. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, ends up ended up working out pretty well. So, um, you know, if you could kind of give some advice for, uh, like just overall with the transaction, mm-hmm. if you have any kind of key things that you learned that you would have done different or just something you could tell people about?
0: Um, yeah, you know, the first one I think is, is, uh, definitely no one to walk away. You know, mm-hmm. I had a couple other deals that we were looking at and they just weren't a good fit for us. And so, you know, it might be the shiny object right in front of you right away, but really stepping back and looking at the bigger picture, I think is absolutely key. And if it's not a deal that makes sense, don't get so excited about to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many deals out there. I would definitely say just find the next best one that will fit you. And go with that because there's more than willing motivated sellers and people that are more willing to work with you than trying to structure a bad deal. So that would be the, the first one. And I think definitely the second one is do your due diligence. I mean, if you don't know asking, if they're not willing to give you those answers, that's probably, you know, some red flags
1: that you should absolutely consider. Yeah. That's, that's some great, great advice. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, like, like you said, um, kind of know when to walk away. I, I, I see that a lot, um, where it seems like they're, they're trying to, like shove a, you know, square peg through a round hole and yeah, going, Hey, and a lot of times I tell them like, you're really trying too hard to swim against the stream here. This isn't going to work. Um, so I-, I appreciate you saying that it's some great advice. Um,
0: and then one other, you know, I would definitely say, you know, it would be uh, transparency, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's absolutely key, you know, no, no matter what they're going to find out, uh, what the real numbers are or anything. And so I would say, you know, just being straight up with them, letting them know, I, I would rather that I tell, You know, like you, the bad news of, hey, here's really where the numbers are, rather than you find out and come back. Yeah. I think it's good on a personal relationship level, but also, you know, really, I think it's key to utilize them as a resource and not looking at them as the enemy.
1: Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we 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 will uncover it usually. So might as well just tell us straight up, hey, this is exactly what mm-hmm. what you're gonna find, and this is why and this is what happened. Yeah. So much easier to to have your you know defense set up yeah. already. Well, yeah.
0: well, very rarely is a business gonna be just all perfect, anyways. Uh, and if it is, you're just gonna pay the premium. So yeah, you know if you're utilizing them as a team and they can help you out and help you structure, and which is what we did on a couple of these uh, situations that we had inside this company.
1: Yeah, it's great. So all right so got the deal done took over what was your you know everybody kind of has a little bit of a different idea of what to do day one and Mm -hmm. i think it's different per business as well so how'd you handle the transition
0: uh you know well the first week what i did is i actually just interviewed every single employee
1: you know
0: uh, and it was really simple what do you like what do you not like and if it was your company what would you do um and i got all different answers anywhere from the toilet's dirty to (laughs) We don't have shop lights and, you know, but really the people will tell you what you need. You know, I mean, I don't, I am not an expert in the field of the company that I bought, uh, but I do know how to read people and I know how to talk to them. And so I turned around and listened to my people. And then the second part that I did is I started implementing that right away. You know, the bathroom was dirty. Well, we got to clean, you know, they didn't have lights in the shop. We relit the whole place up, you know, we were finding those inefficiencies. And so I was letting them know that their voice was heard. And that was really important because I've been on the reciprocating end of that. Mm -hmm where I've got these million dollar ideas for this business, you know, where I'm working for a company and they don't want to hear anything I have to say. Well, I wasn't even looking for a higher pay at that point. it was just like, hey, I've got ideas. And so listening to the people was the number one, uh, the implementation. And then I started digging really through on some of the inefficiencies. And once we started really diving into the numbers and everything, we were able to uncover exactly what was going on, why it was going on, where every penny's going, and then figuring out a game plan from there. Um, You know, in, in my experience, one of the biggest things that I've learned too is really... If i was to move my magic wand you know i probably the whole company would leave because they would see exactly how i want it and so what i have to do is i have to tackle one item at a time and not really multitask so that i'm not overwhelming everybody you know i feel like i could handle it but i got to make sure that my people can handle it and so really just doing one thing at a time showing them why we do it you know full transparency with that and getting them to buy into it
1: uh, is really making a world of a difference that's awesome That that's some great advice yeah too, too many people come in and just flip the table over and go crazy. And then a yeah. lot of people just sit there and do nothing and kind of hope that the business kind of clears itself up or they have management in place that will do mm-hmm. it for them. So uh, I think you you took the right approach. And and it seems like uh, most people I've been talking to lately are really having a hard time finding good employees. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems to just be the, the common denominator is I, I'm struggling getting staff. So were you able to retain all the staff, um, at least the ones that you you absolutely wanted there? Um, have you had any any struggles with that at all?
0: No, in fact, we've hired two people in the meantime. Um, you know, in my experience, and, and I know for me personally, whenever I've left a job, 99% of the time, it's not because of the money, mm-hmm. it's because of the culture. And, you know, I really learned to become very culture-driven, and again, that kind of goes back to just listening to your people. What do you want? What would make your job easier, better? And if you can provide them with the tools so they're not set up for failure, I don't
1: see why people would really want to leave. I
0: mean, very rarely is it a money situation.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. That's great. So, you know, so far, how's it going then with uh, cleaning up some of the the expenses and stuff, still hitting the revenue numbers? You know, how are you doing so far?
0: Well, we uh, the, the company took a pretty good size loss last year.
1: And so the first thing that we really dug into
0: was, you know, how do we minimize what we need to not spend money on? But more so, it's how do we make more money? So we've increased the margin and everything like that. Um, and from what the company lost last year, we already have tripled that in the bank within one month.
1: Wow. That's great. So see, we were right. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I know. It's, a, it's always good to hear that. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I didn't really have any doubts that you'd be able to kind of get in there and tweak some things pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. I'm excited to hear how, how the year ends up and then kind of from there. So, so what's next?
0: Well, once I stabilize this, uh, I'll be getting back with you and buying another business. So, <laughs> okay.
1: Sounds good. Yeah. My wife,
0: well, my wife, my wife wants me to slow down, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm young at heart still, so I like to shake and move, but you know, we've got a couple other ideas of companies that we we'll want to look at that would complement what we already have and really grow that.
1: Cool. Great. Yeah. It's always, it's always nice when you, you can kind of add something to your portfolio and it, yeah. and it fits in with what you're already doing. So yeah. it makes sense. It's great. So, um, you know, I always like to ask two questions at the end. So first one is that uh, do you, or did you ever have a mentor?
0: Yes. Uh, I'm a, I'm a very big believer in mentors, you know, um, you know, I go to a lot of Tony Robbins events and everything like that. And depending on where I'm looking at things, um, absolutely. Um, uh, my dad's one of them, you know, he was a McDonald's business owner growing up. And oh, so, cool. you know, I looked at a lot of his work ethic and, you know, he was the guy mowing the lawn, you know, and stuff like that. Not necessarily for me that I don't think I would take that route because I'm more work on the business and in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the work ethic that he instilled into me was very mm-hmm. crucial. Um, and then a mentor of mine, uh, Greg Caldwell who had passed away, same thing, you know, really learned from these people, I guess maybe call it old school of just really having that work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room, but you've got to put in the work and you've got to listen to your people.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. I think, uh, Obviously that's awesome you're blessed to have uh, some good mentors you know it's always good to hear so do you mentor anybody now I do yeah,
0: yeah. you know I've got you know I always believe you know you got to surround yourself with the five you know your five people is who you are um and so we're the people that I'm with you know I just talk to people that really dive deep into my mindset and we help each other out in different avenues um you know some of the strengths that I have are better than what they have you know that I can add value uh but at the same time you know they've got stuff they can add value so for me when i'm looking at that too you know if i'm trying to seek somebody I can mentor or learn from you know it's it's not what can you take but how can you give value and that i think it's very important because people people love to give information and they love to help you out if you're willing to listen mm-hmm. uh, but there's nothing worse than somebody who wants your advice and then they won't listen to
1: it yeah oh yeah No, i, I know that yeah <laughs> there's <laughs> definitely times i had a a business partner once and he said um you know, he had great uh, he ran all of the manufacturing process for free delay. And um, he told me one time, he said, you know, a lot of people would call me and ask for advice on how to, you know, fix their their problem and their business. And he said, What I noticed is I would go in there and I would tell them and they wouldn't listen to me. Mm-hmm. He's like, But when I started charging them, And I told them, this is my fee, this is what it is. All of a sudden they listened to me and he's like, it's crazy. So kind of never forgot that, you know. Yeah, when you
0: put value behind it, right? right. I mean, that's, that's so true. I mean, that's, um,
1: there's a lot to be said for that. Yeah, no, it's definitely great. So, all right, so final question, what motivates you?
0: What motivated me originally to come to Vegas, you know, for me was I didn't want my kid to live the same, my, I have two kids, I have a son and a daughter and I didn't want either one of them to live the lifestyle that I was living. I didn't live a bad lifestyle by any means, you know, I made great money growing up um, in the mines. They provided very well for my family. I was able to bring my kids and buy them a lot of things. But more for me, it was how do I give back the time? You know, when I look back when I was a little kid, what was important to me was when my dad was able to show up to things. When he was gone, that's the things I remember, you know, that I really remembered. I don't remember what he bought me when I was five years old. And so I wanted to be able to create that for them. Um, one of the things that I really would like to do when I'm older is partner up with my kids on businesses. So I teach him quite a bit. You know, when my son was 11 years old on his own, he went and grabbed our lawnmower, created his own little route. And by the end of the summer, he actually had $8,000. I came to him and I'm like, all right, who did you steal this from? I mean, <laughs> you know, and he, he had actually watched my example with that. And so I'm really proud of that and was able to start doing that for himself. You know, my daughter, Um, You know, same thing. She wants to have her own bakery and, you know, whether they buy their own business or whether they own that or whether they work for somebody else, it doesn't matter to me, you know, as long as they're happy. Mm -hmm. And one of the biggest things for me is that I just wanted to be happy. I was really miserable in what I did before. You know, I don't care if I was, uh, you know, pumping sewers, it really wouldn't matter. If I was really passionate about what I did in life, uh, money's the byproduct. And so I feel like that's really important. So what motivates me is that I'm happy. I have not worked a day since I've had this company. In the fact that I don't think it's work. I love what I do. I get up earlier than I need to every single day without my alarm. And I can't wait for a Monday so that I can go
1: back to work. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Kids will, kids will motivate you. (laughs) It's a big deal. Yeah. You were telling me your son's number two in the, in the country. Yeah. For wrestling. wrestling, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. What, uh, what year is he?
0: He's a freshman this year. Okay. And, uh, so he, Took 5A state this year, didn't even get, you know, scored on. So he's, uh, we've spent a lot of money in the meantime, you know, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh you know, torn them around the country, but I will go broke to keep them out of trouble and to instill a worth ethic inside of them. And, you know, that's the stuff that's really important to me, you know? So yeah. I just want, I have one goal and that's for my kids to be better than I am in every aspect, you know, and if I can create that, then I've succeeded in life.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you're definitely on your way. So glad I could, uh, help be a part of that and, I'm, I'm really glad the business is doing well. I, I had no doubts. So I'm excited for you to call me and tell me you're ready to do another one. And that one's going on. So really appreciate your time today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this podcast informative and helpful. Please don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. For more information, or if you'd like to discuss a transaction, please go to com.